Hello and welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast. I'm Angelo Luciani and this is episode 47. Happy New Year! Hello everyone, Happy New Year, and I hope 2018 will be your best year ever. This week, Dwayne and I chat with Chris Brown about AOS 5.5, and Chris shares some of his thoughts on his top five favorite released features. We also talk about Calm and throw in a few laughs in between. Let's join the conversation. Back in the saddle again. It's been so long, I don't remember when. I think maybe AOS was version 3. Maybe Angelo can uh, play back in the saddle again since I wasn't able to uh, figure it out. But uh, with us today, we have Chris Brown from our product marketing. Um, Chris, even by his own coworkers, Chris is one of the finest engineers I've ever worked with and is exactly the kind of talent and person you want on your team. So with his tires pumped, Chris, introduce yourself. Thanks, Dwayne. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can follow that up. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm, I've been here with Nutanix for about three and a half years and moved over to product marketing after being in support. So wide range of experiences at the company. And it's, it's been a, been a hell of a journey and a lot of fun. Yeah, you were originally at Cisco TAC, I, I believe, for a while. And you, you covered the Nexus 1000V. I don't know if you uh, have some love lost in the, the networking world or not, but um, today, we are here to talk about AOS 5.5 um, and some of the, the major components that make that up. I don't think we'll have time to cover them all, but uh, Chris, you did a video I saw online. Um, what were your kind of your top five favorite pieces that, that came out last week? Well, by you know, by far, and I'm biased because it's uh, one of the main products I cover. Is the the Com product is is you know one through five for me in many ways. But uh, you know the the Com application automation, the self service that you can do with that, and then the multi cloud management stuff I see is is really important and really critical to to us as a company. And also really, you know, based on the the conversation I've had with customers uh, already, it's you know <laughs> very very few times is, that, is it going to response other than you know, why can't I already use this? Um, because we were talking about it before launch. But beyond that, some of the other stuff that's really cool in this is the uh, uh, the VM Turbo pieces that we have on AHV. Uh, and one of the reasons I like that is, as you mentioned, I uh, I did, I worked at Cisco before in TAC on the, the UCS and 1000V. And, you know, we had a technology there that we called, I think, VMFX, which was basically SRIOV, which was Kind of the same idea as VM Turbo, but incredibly complex and hard to manage, and caused lots of fun problems, fun fun days for me in support. I'll say, uh, whereas this is actually it, it, it doesn't have any of that, and it just works, which is you know really software only done right. I guess is yeah. the way to put it. <laughs> I guess I guess you know the the Uber geek will kind of tend and lead toward the performance angle, but I think you know your support background kind of nailed it on the head with. It's really, to me anyway, less configuration know-how or smarts than just working out of the box, at least with the first rev being, um, I think it's right, it's only for Linux today just because of the, the drivers are still needed to be made for Windows. Yeah, I think that, that sounds right. But yeah, I mean, it's just, just working. And <laughs> it, the, the performance part is obviously nice, but just, just seeing how 
you know, and, and understanding, you know, as you said, from the tech point, you know, like what they're doing under the covers there is, is really cool to see it just work and no extra config needed, um, which really, I mean, one of the reasons that I love this company. I think the, the, like, I think the easiest way I've heard it explained is, you know, just widening the, the highway, going from a two lane to an eight lane highway, and then really enabling some of the newer technologies like NVMe. And so, you know, we're not lagging behind, I guess, you know, I guess we're moving the bottleneck, we're moving it away from storage. And uh, now maybe network is going to be in the way, but luckily, um, data locality for us anyway. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, it's exactly what it should be. It's, you know, it's an increase in the highway, but transparently. So we have uh, Calm for automation and blueprints. We have HV Turbo. What uh, is next on the hit list? Uh, I'm really excited. Well, it's only a tech preview here for the network segmentation. Um, that's, you know, I once came from Cisco right around the time they were they were launching ACI. So obviously SDN has taken, taken the world by, by storm, but seeing how we're doing it and having that natively there is, is really cool. And um, while I haven't been able to really play around with it too much, things I've seen have been really cool on network segmentation there. Yeah, we'll have to get Jason Burns on the show to maybe kind of give a, a deep dive into that. Uh, it looks pretty easy. It's nice seeing the traffic flows. Um, basically, my opinion is if I can figure out the networking side, then it's uh, it's good for prime time. Yeah, and I mean, you know, once in touch back on the 1000V there, one of the features that I loved most about it was just the ability to see the traffic flows at any point in the system and do packet captures there. and fact that we have that you know visually now as opposed to some hester store command and you can see exactly how your application's talking is really cool and really i mean the fact that it's doing it on a you know policy and that what the vm is what the application is rather than on a vlan or vxlan id is is really cool i think the not the issue with the 1000v but it still created a divide between the networking team and the virtualization team because now the control still lied over there, but now I would say with micro segmentation, really anyone can go off and get it configured. So hopefully re reducing some roadblocks. Yeah, and I mean to to your point there is that was that was actually one of the selling points of the 1000V is that it did keep the network team. You know, it gave them an interface. You know, it, that was that was the thing. It didn't it didn't foster communication between the teams. It segmented them further. Um, yeah, so what's next? I think there's one, I hope you bring it up, but if not, I'll, I'll save it for the end, but what's next on your bag of goodies? Yeah, so one of the things that I really love about it as well is this, the improvements to the machine learning we've done in Prism Central there, um, and get, you know, using, using the data that we're already collecting and that we have access to because of our placement, our unique placement in the data center there, to better, hand, you know, give you, give information that's important and like an actionable Things that, things that you can take action on against, you know, not just, hey, here's a bunch of graphs, but, hey, you know, we noticed that this guy's a bully VM, you should move this, or that, hey, you know, this this guy usually runs at 80%, he's now running at 30, or the reverse, you know, he usually runs at 30, he's now running at 80, there's something here. Um, just using information we're already collecting in better ways and, and getting insights about what's going on with the workloads there is really cool. I One of the things I just thought about, because internally, we had the dot next for um, New Orleans um, come through the email about, you know, think, start thinking about sessions you want to do. And now that Prism Central can do that, I'm like, well, if I have like a big, like a Hadoop cluster, um, whatever I'm running, Spark, whatever the user, the case may be, 
I have all of these other Nutanix clusters that may be idle. Now I even know when, you know, I have seasonal data where I can say, well, these, you know, this is not going to probably be used for two weeks. Let me deploy some compute VMs over there so I can attach them to my Cloudera cluster and, and go on. And so with everything calm being a, an orchestration engine, I can use the APIs to do that. So I think it's going to, you know, open up some really uh, unique use cases. Yeah, I mean, definitely. That was the promise of virtualization in many ways, right? But we didn't, you know, is that you can you can use the resources you're not using for other things. Um, but there's still some workloads that insist on, on being bare metal and hogging all the resources, even if they're not needed right then. So if we can more seamlessly extend that and, and give resources when it's needed and take them back after with, you know, simple automations, that's that's huge. I think from a, a top five perspective, we got one more left for you to to pick. Oh, it's, it's you know I, I think the other future you, is be embarrassed. <laughs> well, you're gonna you're probably get mad a lot of the engineering people if you don't pick their feature. But I'm just gonna send them to you. I'm like I don't know why Chris didn't pick it. Man, you know you just gotta you gotta better uh, make your case to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> tick tick. Yeah, it's I'm having a hell of a time picking the last feature out. Oh, well, um, I'll, uh, well, what, if you want to call a friend. Yeah, what was the uh, you're hoping I mentioned here? Uh, Near-sync replication. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> now, yeah, it's been... I mean, when, from support times, you know, that's been something that's been asked for over and over. I mean, one of my longest cases in support was, was for Near-sync to come, so I think that case can finally be closed. Um Ironically, the feature name in the ticketing system is 911. I always thought that to be pretty funny. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that wasn't uh, planned, then it should have been. Yeah, like so, you know, near sync to me, yes, you can have like a one minute RPO. But my biggest thing is that if you have like a, a high performance workload, now you can snapshot it till the cows come home and you're going to see really no performance drop off with it, which is pretty impressive considering in most technologies, a snap is a stun. Um, but now that there's the markers being inserted in, it's going to be, you know, smooth sailing. Yeah. And I mean, it's not only that, but like, from a technical perspective, the fact that they were basically able to rewrite all of our snapshotting engine without affecting anything and being a seamless upgrade without any sort of you know, hey, now you got to take these extra steps to pull up. That that's another like it's it's really incredible with the work they put into that. Um, and the I mean, nobody likes losing data. That's at the end of the day that nobody nobody likes that. And so a lot of people are interested in uh, you know Metro because of that. But that puts in a lot of uh, latency requirements or latency uh, additional latency because you got to take that replication to another cluster. And this lets you be much more granular without having to take that performance hit, which is really yeah. Cool. Metro is five milliseconds round trip, and then near sync is really, I guess, as long as you can compete complete one of your replications within the hour, um, it'll stay using near sync. Um, if it goes beyond that, it'll transition out. But luckily, the the end user doesn't have to know really anything. Um, you know, under the hood, there's two different types of snapshots, but uh, I guess you know. Who cares? As long as it's working. Exactly. That's and that, that that's kind of the point. There is that, like, you know, you don't you don't need to know that we're doing that under the covers. It's just really cool that they're able to to seamlessly manage that. I wonder, Angelo, any 5.5 features that you would have wanted 
or maybe seen attractive while you were on the operation side? I think the uh, the what sort of what you were just mentioning the near sink appealed to me the most. I think, um, and then and then calm with the automation and sort of exploring uh, how to really start doing things in software uh, more than anything. But yeah, the near sync would would really be a, a sort of a touch point for for me. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> being in Canada. We're kind of you know, distance everywhere. Nothing's really too close. So, yeah, I, I could see definitely props for that. One, I haven't seen too much fanfare um, talked about, but the added vGPU support for AHV. I see that Case Beggerman actually looks like he won a community award on the NVIDIA side. So I think that's going to play out pretty big. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really powerful feature because there's a lot of, I mean, you know, obviously... When you the first thing I think of with the vGPU is you know VDI desktops, but that's only the beginning. I mean, all of the a lot of these future workloads that people are running, things like TensorFlow or big data workloads and all those, they're starting to utilize GPUs more and more, just because they can do some very specialized you know CUDA and all that fun jazz. Um, and the fact that vGPU supports now in AHV is is really cool because now it's there's that that was one of the few workloads that you couldn't put on AHV just because of the lack of support there and, and it's there and it's seamless once again. Do do you know off the top of your head with NVIDIA if you need a license if you're doing straight pass-through? Because we've had pass-through for AHV for a while. I think some of those, when you have a limited number of VMs um, with maybe TensorFlow that you wouldn't need to license it. I'm not sure, though. I Yeah, I know it's a license, but I mean, I, I would assume that... <laughs> You know, it's licensing. You know, everyone wants to get their cut, right? So I'd assume you need to license, but I don't know. The devil is in the details, I guess. Mm. One that I've seen asking for a long time is also the encryption at rest, which is now software-based. I think that, especially with a lot of the the federal and financial having, you know, it's not, you know, yes, it's the customer data and credit cards, and you want to get that secure but i think it kind of reaching a point when you see things in the news it's like everything pretty much needs it or at least you would hope it has it at some point um you know even comp- enterprise laptops it's almost a requirement so yeah i mean it's every year we have bigger and bigger and bigger you know hacks i mean obviously you know data at rest doesn't protect you from your application being insecure but you know there's there's things being stolen all the time you know we to your point about the laptops we just got notes about that i mean it's it's important that, I mean, it, there's a there's a saying, you know, for security things is that, um, you know, the, the good guys only need, the bad guys only need to be lucky once. The good guys need to be lucky every day. Uh, and I mean, anything you can do to reduce that attack surface helps you be lucky, or and more secure. Yeah, uh, I think that also has it's still an external key manager for the the first drive. I think there's some roadmap there to, to go further. But, you know, I think if you're, you're dealing with the keys, it's important that those things are on lockdown or your encryption is pretty useless. So I'm pretty happy with uh, the first rep of that. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a lot of people, you know, or some customers or some competitors have put, you know, oh, it's all on the same system. You don't need an external key MS. But I mean, the key is at that point, you know, that is the most important piece of data you have because it unlocks everything else. And, you know, having it on an external KMS, you know, lets you keep control of it, keep, you know, uh, 
if something goes missing, you can pull it pull it away. You can revoke it. You can. I mean, it's the, at the, the it's literally the keys to the kingdom at that point. So it makes sense. I mean, you know, as we go forward, as you said, roadmap items and all that. But it's. I'm glad that we're starting here. Now that we've kind of we've done five, and I've I've added in a few as well. I kind of wanted to swing back with um, calm just for a moment because one. There has been a lot of hoopla on our side anyway with the, the Google announcements, which kind of leads to, to Kubernetes. What in that area do we have? Are there any blueprints that come kind of out of the box yet with, uh, with Kubernetes? Yeah, actually. So um, one of the things we've done with Com, you know, so Com, you don't know, it, everything is defined in a blueprint. You define your application as a whole. You don't have to you know, instead of having, you know, five VMs running that you label as something or put in a resource group or folder or something, uh, the, the the blueprint contains all of those those VMs laid out so you can understand where everything depends. And as part of the COM releases, we have um, pre-built and pre-integrated blueprints, about 25 of them, I want to say, right now. And it's going to continuously grow. Uh, and so that when you upgrade to 5.5 and you, you can enable the marketplace seeded blueprints, we call them, which means that these blueprints are there and you can launch Kubernetes uh, natively. It'll download the images it needs from, uh, from, from Nutanix and then give you a, a ready to go blueprint. So you can, which is really great because actually if you, if you've uh, done anything with Kubernetes, you know that the, the quick start guide actually literally says in it, don't follow this man, this manual quick start guide, use one of the tools to get this installed the first time. Because it's incredibly <laughs> complex. Like, <laughs> so you, you will probably fail. Exactly. And it's highlighted. <laughs> um, so the the fact that it's pre-built and integrated there, you can you know deploy it in one click, which is really cool. Uh, and you know you start using Kubernetes, see if it's something you like, and then if it is, you can delete it, and or if it isn't, then you can delete it. If it is, you can customize it to your particular need. And Dwayne, um, I think as well, um, Calm will be integrated into our uh, community edition. Uh, software. So I, I know uh, here's a little plug for Community Edition. So folks want to check out, like kick the tires on on some of this stuff. They can they can hop on to the next community, sign up for Community Edition, and uh, try it out. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's a good point to bring up. Is that Com isn't it isn't a separate VM to install or a separate thing to integrate. It's natively in Prism Central. Uh, you literally log into Prism Central, and it, there's a pop-up that says, "Hey, do you want to enable self-service and app management?" And you click that, and Com's enabled. So, you know, that's that that that'll make its way over to CE as well, so you can can try it out there. I, that should also be interesting because I know that the Com trade with their Haiku backup product is also a blueprint or available inside of the marketplace. So, I wonder if you could also deploy that on the Community Edition. I'm, you know, I'm assuming everybody's running it and storing all of their pictures on HV, so they probably want to back them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it it should have. I mean, because it's at the end of the day, the the blueprints themselves are just JSON files. They're just so as long as you got com, you can you should be able to deploy that pre-integrated blueprint on a CE as well. I haven't I haven't used the Haiku products. So I'm not entirely familiar with it, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, they're they're easily shareable blueprints, so you should be able to. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask, Chris, because I haven't uh, had an opportunity to uh, kick the tires with Calm. But um, are, are the blueprints shareable? Like, can, like, can you share it with um, with your with teammates or, or someone in a different company? Or how how does that work exactly? 
Yeah, so the blueprints you can, uh, they're stored in the back end, as I said, as JSON or, or YAMLs, and um, you can export any blueprint you have. So right now it's just export, so you can you download a JSON and, and send that over to somebody else or commit it to a Git repository. But uh, early next year, it's going to be natively integrated with Git as well, so you can commit it directly to a repository and version it up that way. Um, and then you can share that with anybody. And then when they when they import it, they just tell it, tell the blueprint what's unique about their environment. You know, instead of like when you export a blueprint, it it, it strips out the pieces that uh, are unique to this particular instance, like uh, you know your network uh, assignments, your V disks or your images. And then the the person who imports it just needs to say, hey, attach it to that V disk or attach it to that uh, network because it's going to be different. And then you can use that blueprint just the same as anyone else. And it, it would be, and I, I'm just, you know, thinking through this a, a bit more. It would, would, could you get stats on like how many people are leveraging your blueprint? I'm just thinking, um, I just kind of like a side topic, but I was just curious on that. So, like, uh, inter- like internally at the com, I mean, it'll give you a count. But uh, if you wanted to like share it externally, yeah. and, and get a count of that, um, I would use something like Git. You know, just get a right, uh, right. how many people are pulling it, how many people, you know, because right. then. It, since it is just a JSON, is I mean, you can treat it literally like code. You know, version it out, add in scripts, remove things from there, and then commit. You know, branch branch the repository and put in new versions of uh, of the code. Yeah, right. Angelo is just after his stars. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, on Git you can start things. So he's probably just you know he likes his stats. Yeah, I I, I need to get those. Uh, I need to get more <laughs> stars. Yeah, exactly. More st- more, more stickers. You did a great job today, Angelo. Yeah. Here's your sticker. <laughs> yeah. A- a- Angelo is a big fan of you know Glenn, uh, the Glenn Ross uh, ABM. They'll always be measuring. Yes, exactly. Well, it's it, it just neat to know. That's all. Just neat. It would be neat. But yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys called me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> Since the release, one problem that. Well, it's, it's one of those good problems is that there's um, an internal alias where the robo team gets pinged for uh, help with uh, just that robo. But we have the single node is released with 5.5. So it's been seeing a ton of traction on that. So the, I guess the new model, though, the 1175 is released to do a single node cluster. But then also the the backup target, the single node backup with the 1155, can also run uh, VMs now. So I think there's some uh, interest in that, and you know, making sure people can, you know, in the event of a failover, even on a small robo environment, get a VM or two or up, so customers can keep chugging along. Yeah, and I mean that that actually plays really well with with Com as well. Um, yeah, I mean people at the end of the day, it's it's really important to bring that robo out because we want to make sure that everything, you know, runs this is as easy to use as the data center stuff. You know, Nutanix benefits aren't just there. They're, they can be anywhere. But with, with COM plus the, no, the one node there is that you could, you know, deploy a new cluster to a remote site and have COM automatically provision all of your applications on it so that it, you know, you, it becomes really just, you know, punch out, you know, <laughs> install, deploy, done. As an operations person, there's a part of you that every once in a while would actually like to go to a remote site to get out of the office, but nine times out of ten, you really don't want to travel for four or five hours. <laughs> and then <laughs> then find out you left the one thing back at your office, and so it kind of rinse and repeat. Well, you know, if you ever need a, uh, 
a out of office experience, just go like remove a disc and have the fault start coming in and be like, oh god, I got to go there now, guys. Oh, that actually that brings up a new feature. That's a good segue. The uh, Prism now opens cases for you automatically. Yeah, it's just a deeper integration to Portal there. Um, you know, it's a kind of a uh, evolution of our Pulse, which was just email based, but now it's now you can open up cases directly from Prism. Say, hey, there's a problem. Here you go. Yeah, so the, like major things will still you know hit support and might maybe even hit it before you notice it. But at least if you see the problem in Prism, you're not having to you know go all over the place to go do that work. I mean, it's you know, while while it might not seem like a whole lot of extra work to log into Portal, I mean, anytime anything you got to do extra is uh, you know, it, it makes you makes you because it's right there in Prism, you can immediately open the case rather than saying, oh, I'll add, add that to my list of things to do later, um, and then forget about it. So you can get immediate response. I think we have time for for one more feature. With um, that, and I can't believe you didn't bring it up before, is actually support for Windows 2016, uh, as far as Hyper-V and Windows 2016. From what I've seen as the upgrade path, like even Microsoft re really recommends just kind of starting new, um, the automation to get you to 2016 is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean it's it'll it'll handle that whole process for you, and we we know it's uh it's people have been people are really excited about that. I think within two hours of the the release going out, they some we know somebody upgraded using it to 2016. Um, so people are you know really excited about that. The because yeah, if you look at the documentation, it's basically like hey uh, reinstall Windows. Whereas because of the our foundation integration, because of the the place we sit in the infrastructure, because of our integration with Hyper V. We're able to do that for you without having to rebuild everything from scratch manually. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces, especially when you're talking about being attached to the domain. So, you know, I guess rinse, rinse and repeat and hopefully <laughs> not type too much in so you can avoid anything going sideways. So I think that's a big plus. I'm really impressed by the that team. With that, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the chance to close out on anything else you might want to add to it. Um, but before we do, just that the, the release notes are up on the portal. Actually, I think your video is tied into the release notes, so you can't miss uh, the most eligible bachelor in North Carolina. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know. It was in there. That's pretty funny. That's awesome, though. I mean, yeah, at, at the end of the day, there's just so much in here that, you know, we've been talking about for a while. And it's I mean, it is really a massive release. So definitely check out those release notes and or more my video. Plug my video here. Um, because there's, there's too much to mention, you know, it's, and with all of these things, I mean, maybe, you know, obviously we don't expect everyone to want every feature, but we think, I think this really says something for everybody. Yeah. We have Chris's, we have Chris's video, uh, included in, uh, our blog post as well uh, on the, on the, um, community site. So just to, just a quick plug for the community site folks to check out a lot of really good tactical type, uh, blog posts on there. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining, Chris. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Angelo, for, for rounding both of us up. And uh, see you online. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com. If you want to connect with other IT pros in your local area, attend one of our Nutanix user groups, and you can find more information on that on next.nutanix.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter 
at Angelo Luciani. And as always, consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or any podcast platform. From the team here at Nutanix, as always, have a great week.